Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where John Negroni and Will Ashton discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. So sit back, relax, and pour one out for the two and only Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm your cinema host, Johnny Gurney, from the Internet, California. So happy to be with you all here this week. Joining us live from the Internet, Pennsylvania, give a warm Philly cheesesteak welcome to Will Ashton. Hey, it's great to be back. I'm just disappointed I didn't get to talk about Alien Covenant in depth, but I'm glad Robert could fill in for me. He did Robert a great did job. A great job, yeah. yeah. It was great. It was a great conversation. We had a lot of fun. Unfortunately... Not, we're not all here together again. Uh, this isn't a reunion. Soundmaster Maverickines refused to be in this week's episode because he actively despises the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. So he, Mav has unfortunately abandoned ship. But we do have a special guest with us, someone who loves the Pirates movies and watched Deadman Tell No Tales with me just this past week. Digital illustrator and my own personal fiance, Kayla Savage, is here. <laughs> Hi. Um, hello. That is not, like, my only two identifiers. Uh-huh. It's not like her LinkedIn bio. It's, that Well, it is my LinkedIn bio. But, yeah. yeah, here I am. This is great. We've been wanting to have you come on for a while. Uh, we I, never got to talk about no, your I, name. That's not true, because I've asked several times <laughs> to come on to the podcast. But and there are always you, times when you haven't watched the movie with us. No, I have watched the movie. I wanted to come on when we watched Your Name. I wanted to come on your when, name you, were, is the exception, when yeah. you talked about uh, Zelda, Breath of the Wild. Briefly, yes. So you're a big fan of Breath of the Wild. And yeah. We never got to talk about that. Or Sherlock, and we talked about last week. And you didn't yeah, I wanted to come that. on when we talked about that. And you said no all times. Not that you tell me what to do. Because you don't. <laughs> I feel like if I did tell you no, you wouldn't listen. So, But I chose not to come on because you were being difficult. Right. Which is why, coincidentally enough, Maverick is not here this week. Because I was very difficult. Um, but this is great because you are the biggest Pirates of the Caribbean fan I know. And so I'm really happy biggest? that you're here for this one because <laughs> because we're, this is a very Pirates-centric like episode. I like Pirates mm-hmm. in general. I like not the real Pirates, obviously. They yeah, did they were terrible, terrible things. The fun Pirates. I like the romanticized version <laughs> of Disney the Pirates, pirates yeah. that we all know and love. I like the Pirates from Black Flag in Assassin's Creed. I just like the idea of pirates. Yeah, Maverick Hines is literally playing black, fra- black, flag. <laughs> black flag as we speak. Uh, so that said, this episode, we're going to be talking, of course, about Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Mm-hmm. We're going to start things off by talking about the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise in general, actually. And because uh, we do this every week, we kind of get into, okay, what do you guys think of the franchise, each movie? Do you have a clear favorite? What do you think of like the franchise as a whole? Do you want to see more movies? We're just going to give like our general impressions of what we think of these movies since the first one came out in 2003. We'll do our featured review, of course, and then we'll get into some mini reviews, as we always do. We're going to be talking about Baywatch, Get Me Roger Stone, Season 3 of Casual, and Hassan Minaj's Homecoming King in our mini reviews to close things out. But, uh, of course, let's get into... What do you guys think of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I know me personally have a lot of opinions about this. Uh, I, I think ranking them is kind of tough because everybody's kind of not a lot of people. I feel like everybody feels the same about them. Everybody feels the same way. I wouldn't say that necessarily. Close to the same way. 
But Will Ashton, let's start with you. Pirates of the Caribbean, where are you at with this series? Uh, I mean, I've gone really hot and cold on this series because when the first one came out, I was probably somewhere between 8 and 10 years old. And it was arguably like my favorite movie at the time. Like, I just didn't really have any expectations going in. I never went to Disney World, so I didn't have any uh, experience with the ride. But, I mean, I just thought it was just a really engaging, you know, well-made film. And I still think it's a really well-made film. It holds up extremely well. And I... Like the second one, but I didn't love it. I thought it was a little bloated, and that's an issue I had with the other uh, movies that we're going to talk about, but I don't know. I think the first one, to me, is just, like, so good at what it does that I think it just makes the other ones look worse, and I don't know. I just haven't had the same appreciation for these films since that first movie. Hmm. I'm pretty close to your opinion. I... I really love the first movie. I, 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 I agree. It really holds up. The last time I watched it, I just remember watching it and being like, man, I, they don't make them like they did this one. And people who know me well know that my favorite movies of all time tend to be like adventure movies, yeah. you know, swashbuckling movies. My favorite movies are like The Mask of Zorro, mm-hmm. A Knight's Tale, and Pirates of the Caribbean is on that list as well. And that's why I really love the first one. It's, it just, it's really just well put together. Really, everything across the board is either good or better. Yeah, and it's just a memorable movie. I think that Johnny Depp makes that movie even better. And it, I think you make a good point that like it does kind of make the other movies seem. I wouldn't say worse necessarily because I also really like the second one, and I also really like the third one. I'm in the camp where I really <laughs> think the trilogy itself is great. I think that the other two movies are pretty flawed. But I loved them. Like they're to me, they're guilty pleasure movies, uh, especially the third one. I love the internal logic because you guys know me. I theorize about everything, and I really love movies that have a lot of lore. And I know it can sometimes annoy other people, and they will watch the sometimes. movies and they're like it's too confusing. There's too much. There's too much. But I love that. I love when there are callbacks to things, and it's done really well. That's what I've always appreciated about the franchise. It's the same kind of stuff that I really like about Avatar The Last Airbender, which we've talked about. That just the way that like things that get set up in one movie get paid off really well in another movie. So for that reason, for me, the initial trilogy is great. I wish they had just left it at that. Uh, Stranger Tides and Dem and Tell No Tales, uh, by contrast, which we'll get into Dem and Tell No Tales, but for some reason they just bore me it, they, I don't think that they have that same magic for the first three um, I think it has a lot to do with Gore Verbinski not directing them but uh, that's where I'm at what about you Kale Savage see for me I feel like they could have just left it at the first one mm-hmm. because here's the thing about me in this movie um, I would say it's like maybe my favorite movie of all time I've seen it so many times. When I was a kid, John and Will, I watched this movie because I didn't get to watch a lot of movies. My parents were not overly into movies. And this was the very first movie that I was like, okay, now how did they do that? And so we had the special DVD that comes with an extra DVD, guys. And it it taught me about how you make a film and how special effects are done and like things like makeup and costuming and so i was just like so like enthralled with that like just this is a movie about pirates and they made it and it just felt so real and it felt so like i was there you know the scene where will and jack sword fight 
Mm-hmm. In the blacksmith. Oh my gosh. They're, the set pieces are what make <sighs> those first three films so memorable. This which movie? is why I give the second movie a lot of credit because I think the set pieces, like the wheel scene and the the early Jack Sparrow, like, you know, Rainforest Adventure. It's fine. Really well yeah, no, no, no. As they go on, I just kind of felt like a li- little bit of that was lost with each one. I don't mind the second one. I don't mind the third one. But... I, I could just watch the first one forever on a loop mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just be just as satisfied just I get that. happy as can be you know okay well it looks like we're all pretty much at least fine with the first three movies uh, well you didn't really talk much about Stranger Tides though well to be honest I don't really remember it like at all I saw it on a date I remember that and I like I remember falling asleep during it and like that's it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there are mermaids, There's, I think. There, there is were mermaids. mermaids. Yeah. There's also what's that girl's name? Uh, uh, Penelope, Penelope Cruz. Penelope Cruz. She's the wife of Javier Bardem. Who's she in this movie. is in this movie in many different positions. In the in the fourth one, she's just I just remember her character being like very like sexualized, you know. It was weird, too, because there's that scene where she pretends to be Jack Sparrow and nobody figures it out. And <laughs> it's kind of, I don't it's know, weird. I was like, it was kind of silly. But yeah, you're right. I, it's a very forgettable movie. I, I appreciate the idea behind it. I don't think it was executed she, well. Like, but the idea of just like, hey, let's just, let's take out all of the... like reel back Turner a little bit. Stuff. Let's just, yeah, they made it simpler. And they were like, okay, it's just Jack Sparrow going on an adventure. And... Everybody, I remember at the time, everybody was like, yeah, that's what we want. We just want him to find the Fountain of Youth. But they did still find ways to make it really complicated. They were like, okay, well, it's not just the Fountain of Youth. It's Blackbeard, and it's there's a crystal, and it's, you know... I, I think they did end up complicating it anyway. And at that point, yeah. I think everybody realized, yeah, it's... He, the magic of this movie isn't Jack Sparrow alone. You kind it's of... It's not, It's actually. lightning in a bottle, kind of. I don't think they can I make think, it I mean, I think, movie, like the first one. yeah. Go ahead, Will. I was just going to say, like, someone was bringing up that, like, Jack Sparrow is, like, arguably, like, a supporting character in the first movie. It's basically Will Turner and Elizabeth Swan that mm-hmm. are, like, the main catalyst for the story, and Jack Sparrow is just kind of the one that gets caught up and helps him along the way. But, I mean, sure. yeah, it just that they kind of doubled down on Jack Sparrow, and that makes sense. I mean, he was, the like, you know, the one that kind of made the first movie what it was, and he's, you know, obviously the most charismatic of all of them, but... He just, I don't know, like, they, they ballooned him, they, like, flanderized uh, Jack Sparrow to the point where he's, like, basically, like, a completely different character by this movie. Like, yeah. he's just not Jack Sparrow at this point. Well, we'll, we'll get into Deadman Tell no, Tell no Tales, but I think if we're just talking about, like, what works for his character in the first movie, I've always believed that it's it's mostly the fact that he surprises he surprised the audience mm-hmm. in how he was kind of like this agent of chaos who was weirdly competent at the same time that's what i always really liked about really right. liked about the jack sparrow character you never he was unpredictable but he was actually really pretty worked. smart yeah right exactly and you yeah. were always like is he as he stupid as scheming. we think yeah is he smarter than we think or is he just luckier than He's, any other person. Well, yeah, yeah. Part and of it was that he was really lucky, and the other part was that like he was constantly double crossing everything. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like that he, episode yeah, of Community we watched. He's kind of like Tyrion Lannister, you know, like he's just kind of like he's he's the reason to watch, but he's not exactly the main focus. 
But that's actually what I really like about the second and the third movies is they found clever ways to keep him important without making him too much the central point. Uh, like the idea that like his death is inevitable in the second one, I think was a great story decision. You know, all of the th- all of the things being equal, and then the third one, they get really weird with his psychology, which I totally understand that criticism, like with the, just the whole thing of like the world's end itself, and yeah, yeah, I, I I do understand why people were frustrated with that stuff. I think it's easy to still overlook it because the first two movies, for me, give it a lot of credit. But well, I think part of, part of the problem with him is that. They made him too special. Like I like in the first one, sure, like yeah. nobody knew who he was. He kept having to remind. He becomes people. like a right. legendary pirate. Yeah, yeah. Pirate. They were like, I think I've heard of you, maybe. And he's like, I am a captain. They're like, Where's your ship, though? And so like everybody, nobody really takes him seriously. As the series progresses, everyone's like, We need to find Jack Sparrow. Yeah. I'm looking for Jack Sparrow. Are you looking for Jack Sparrow? Yeah. Like they come give, on. They give him the poochie treatment. Yeah. So like I think every that, scene, everyone's like, "Where's Jack Sparrow?" Or yeah. Like, yeah. So I think that's uh, now that we've kind of analyzed the Jack Sparrow character to the point where I think we're prepared now to actually talk about the movie, the new movie, Parts of the Caribbean: <sighs> Dead Men. I don't think tales. you're prepared. It's the fifth. It's the fifth film in this franchise. It's it's been called a soft reboot by actors in the film. And uh, the funny thing, I was looking at the IMDb synopsis, and it's weirdly simple. It's just Captain Jack Sparrow searches for the trident of Poseidon. <laughs> so that's terrible. So I found another synopsis that's a lot, a yeah. lot better. Um, so Captain Jack Sparrow finds the winds of ill fortune blowing even more strongly when deadly ghost pirates led by his old nemesis, the terrifying Captain Salazar, escape from the Devil's Triangle, determined to kill every pirate at sea, including him. His only true hope of survival lies in seeking out the legendary trident of Poseidon, a powerful artifact that bestows upon its possessor total control over the sea. This, of course, leaves out a lot of other storylines in this movie, but I think that is a good intro. Like I said, we're not going to be spoiling uh, a lot of things here. We are going to talk about the movie, so we'll mention things in general. But uh, obviously, if you want to go in this movie completely without spoilers, this isn't the place. This is a good time to stop. But we we aren't going to spoil like the ending. We're not going to spoil any plot twists or anything like that. Just generally what is this movie um one thing of note is the shortest of the pirates of the caribbean films mm-hmm. uh it's just barely over two hours uh and yet in my review i said it still feels like the longest it feels like barely over two days yeah which i think is because i i think this is a movie that i know me and kayla just did not have a lot of I interest in honestly wanted to leave a lot during this movie but i'm glad i didn't because the end is so ridiculous that I don't think I would have believed it if somebody had told me <laughs> yeah. how it ended. Well, let's start with you, Will Ashton. What was your general impression of Dead Men Tell No Tales? I mean, I kind of went in with the same indifference, I think, you guys did. Or, I don't know, I didn't really feel, like, frustrated going in. I just felt like, okay, whatever, we'll just watch another Pirates adventure. But I was kind of looking forward to it first, just because I was impressed by the Super Bowl spot. And I kind of wanted it to... I mean, I like... Javier Bardem, I thought he'd be a good villain. And I do think that Johnny Depp is in this position that where he kind of needs, like, a like a upstart again. Like, he's definitely not in a great place in his life. And, I don't know, just... I mean, I don't know. I was debating whether or not I like this one more than the last one, just because I remember it. But the more I think about this movie, the more I just get frustrated by it. Just because there's just, like... There's so much in this movie that could have worked, I think. Like, I, I like mm-hmm. what they're going for with Captain Salivar, I think is his name, right? 
Salazar. Salazar. Initially, this movie was called Pirates of the Caribbean and Salazar's Revenge. Like Salazar Slytherin. Yeah, exactly. But right. yeah, I think internationally it's still called that. Salazar's Revenge, I can say it correctly. Yeah. Once. I mean, I think he's an interesting idea for a villain. And I also think that it is good to kind of... I don't know. I mean, actually, I was going to say it was good to tie back to Will Turner and stuff. But actually, I don't really... I don't know. I think they could have left that well enough alone. I think the third movie did that fine. Uh, but yeah, just, I don't know. I, I wanted to give this one the benefit of the doubt, but it just, everything about it is just so tired and so soggy. And like, it all stems from Johnny Depp, who, you, I mean, I don't, I like to separate the art from the artist as much as I can, just because I, I like to rate a movie on its own terms. But absolutely, it, yeah. it's just so hard to separate the two because based on everything we've heard about his tabloid escapades recently, he just, it, it's exonified on the screen. Like, he's just this drunken buffoon who is sloshing his way through his lines, and you can, like, barely understand some of the things he's saying, and he just, like, acts a complete idiot. And he's, like, not even close to the character we had in the first movie. Like, you know, like, he's not even, like, competent in any way, or even lucky, just, just like, a nuisance, basically. And, I mean, I, I just don't get why they need to have, like, so much going on in this movie. It just seems like they overpacked everything to the point where it's just, like, like, we have to have his origin story, I guess, because every Disney movie has, like, that technology where it can de-age him, so he has, like, these weird, like, non-existent cheekbones, and he just <laughs> looks weird. And I don't know. I just I actually didn't mind that whole that thing. I I didn't like the flashback idea, but I actually yeah. thought the CGI there was kind of impressive. But I don't know. I, I think I'm just kind of numb to that at this point because like they've done it for like every major release they had at this point. That I don't know. I mean, I, I was really impressed by by with uh, Kurt Russell in Guardians it's been of the a Galaxy Disney thing. For yeah, sure. but like I, I would say like with uh, Tony Stark last year in Civil War, I think it was really well done. So. Yeah. But, I mean, like, if you, like, think about it, like, Pirates of the Caribbean was the first, like, Disney blockbuster. Blockbuster in the sense of, like, what we know blockbusters to be today. Like, you, it was our first PG-13 movie. It was, like, the big risks, like, hey, we're gonna make a movie off of amusement park ride, which doesn't have any pre-existing characters or mythology. And they really took it and just made it, like, the great movie we were talking about. And, like, when you're watching this movie, like, you keep, they keep reminding you of that first movie, but, like, in all the wrong ways. Like, oh, like, I remember one the Black Pearl was fun. Or I remember when, like, Jack Sparrow was a competent dude that didn't do everything yeah. wrong. I was thinking of the first movie all the time in this yeah. one. But to, as you're saying, not for the right reasons. I was kind of craving to watch that movie yeah. instead. And that's... I, I don't think it's good to just make a sequel where you just keep thinking, like, man, that first movie was really good, and yeah. this is not good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Matt Donato, we got this covered, his very own. Uh, his review is kind of close to, I think, what yours is here. He gave it two and a half stars, a middling score. And he said, Dead Men may tell no tales, but with Disney's latest pirate sequel, I'm not convinced that living men can tell tales with any more intrigue. Got him. So um, many puns in this episode. Oh, well, it's kind of easy with, like, pirates. What? Yeah, I know. So, <laughs> Kayla, it sounds like you want to get jump in. Yeah, I do. I think this movie is hot garbage. Mm. Like, flaming hot garbage. There's nothing, there's very few, if not maybe three good things I could say about this movie. Starting with? Starting with 
and I think that we've already talked about this, and you're probably going to bring this up later, John, but um, the ideas weren't bad ideas. The right, premise, yeah, I said that in my review, yeah. Yeah, not a bad on board with some. Yeah. Also, uh, one of the characters, or, yeah, one, one or two of the characters had motivations I could agree with. Yeah. Um, Which character would you say that is? I, or do you not want to spoil it, I guess? I, I don't know what would be considered a spoiler here, because this is my first time on the show. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, what's the rules here when you guys talk about... I think if it's something that's, like, revealed in, like, the first 20 minutes. The first you know? 20 yeah. minutes? Okay. Um, Henry. Is that his name? Henry Turner? Oh, yeah. I know some people are calling that a spoiler that he's Will Turner's son, but it, that's literally the first It's revealed in the, the first 20 seconds, so, like, yeah. I didn't know whether to, like... I agree with him... Cert- I agree with what he's doing throughout the movie. I don't think he does a very good job, but if they would have given him things to yeah, do, yeah. I would have agreed with the things that he did. That, that, that totally for me said, works. Yeah, yeah. As like a soft reboot. Yeah. You start with, he Turner's didn't son. do you, a lot of stuff. A clear goal. Yeah. They gave him a goal, but then he was like very unmotivated to fulfill that I goal. Think, in fact, I think I would have, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, no, I was going to say, I think I would like that storyline better if they just changed it to be that his, the Henry was Jack Sparrow's son. Because it like the math doesn't really make sense for him to be Will Sparrow, well, or sorry, Will Turner's son because he would, he's like what forty now, right? Well, yeah, uh, Orlando I, I Bloom think- and this kid is like twenty seven. So I was thinking he was fourteen true. when he had a kid. Yeah, but he only gets one day with Elizabeth. Well, I think every ten years. I think there are two things to consider here. What Elizabeth do you think was doing? well, Keira Knightley was eighteen in the first parts of the Caribbean movie. I don't want to belabor this, but. Basically, I, I agree that the math is super strange because apparently Jack Sparrow was old enough to be crewmates with Bill Turner, Will's father. But and then it's been enough. 19 years since At World's <laughs> End. So for in order for like, that's how old Henry Turner is. He has got, yeah, it's weird. It, it, it is a little strange. I think, I think at best you can say Jack Sparrow is in his 50s and you can say that uh, Will and Elizabeth are in their 30s and 40s, maybe? Like 39, it's, 40, something like that? Someone yeah. did, nobody did the math. Maybe Jack Sparrow was like 60. Maybe there's something about the founder of youth that brushed up on him. I don't know. Can I talk about... Is this just initial first impressions? Yeah, just general. Okay. Because I have so much to say. Okay. You know. Um, there's a lot to decompress. <laughs> this movie was the worst. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> Done. <laughs> well, I, the reason I think it would have worked for it to be Jack Sparrow's sons because they established earlier in the series that like he's been with all these like different women and prostitutes. Yeah. That's why he keeps getting like slapped every time he goes somewhere. So I feel like if he had a kid, it would make sense that he wouldn't know about it. And if he was just trying to find Jack Sparrow to like, you know, find his father, I feel like that would solve a lot of the big issues with his character. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I don't know if I agree with that necessarily. I I think that I, I, I do, I do see kind of like an issue with, they, they are repeating storylines from the first movie with its, okay, so we have our Will Turner fill-in, we have the Elizabeth Swan fill-in here with Kaya Scalario's character, and she, I, I would actually say, like, cut out the Henry character and just let her be the full yeah, Jack Sparrow. I, I don't think that you needed two characters there, because it, it is too much like the first movie. I agree, but I would say the opposite needed to happen. I, I honestly preferred the writing for her character, like, who she is. Really? And, like, 
Absolutely. They just didn't handle it really well. So the idea behind her character, Karina, is that she's a scientist. We're going to get into it. Here she's it a comes. Witch. But her motivation is that she really wants to find this trident. They don't do a good job of like spelling out like what she wants to do and why, why she wants to do it. Here's the but thing. But I like the idea of her character better than just rehashing the idea of Will Turner because it's like it's the same as the first movie with Bill Turner. Like, oh, I got to save my dad from a curse. And, okay, that's yeah. fair. <laughs> but here's the thing about her character. It doesn't make an inch of sense. I think it's part of it's probably that's the true, worst yeah. female character I've ever seen in a right. movie in but a if long you fix, time. My point is if you fix her character. But you can't yeah. fix her character without changing things about her that they that that are like because here's her, th- her I, thing I, th- is she, I think she, you just have to change the plot so like in my review that's like what i was saying is that the story is fine like the ideas there and like what they're trying to do as like will saying too that's all fine and well and good the ideas the set pieces like how things happen the plot is where it all falls apart how people get from a to b how people talk to each other, how people are connected. She's, but like, like here's her, her thing is she's a scientist, right? So the whole first, she goes back and forth, of course, because she contradicts herself. But like the whole first part of the movie, she's like, mermaids aren't real and ghost pirates aren't real and, and everything yeah, is they don't science. Fully commit to a lot but of she's looking the for the trident of Poseidon. <laughs> yeah it's why but that's what i'm saying is like they don't give her a lot of background but i think that stuff's easily fixable she thinks that's real though but honestly <laughs> if we're talking about characters that don't make sense and characters we like and don't like henry turner to me is just like a nothing burger he's just like he is a nothing because they burger. set him up they do the same thing with him where they're like oh he's a genius when it comes to all the myths of the sea and that's a good re- there's a good reason for that but they never he never uses it. He never uses his knowledge. Or his, In like, fact, traits, he doesn't yeah. even seem like he wants to. Right. He's just kind of on the ship. So yeah, kind of like getting into, standing around. Getting into my general impressions, that that's probably the biggest issue for me with this movie is all the characters are just not given a lot of good writing. And the, the idea of like how they get anywhere in this like map of the sea it's just, characters just seem to like go along for the ride uh things just sort of happen without any explanation that's part of what partly why it's so boring is because i don't care about what happens to the characters because they don't seem to care and especially with jack sparrow i think that if the jack sparrow character had been an ounce as intriguing as he was in the first three movies i would like this movie a lot more but sure yeah. as will you as you're saying it just heightens the flaws of the two, you know, sub characters, I guess you can call them, Henry and Karina, because we have to spend so much time watching Jack's. We have to watch this performance that is just frankly awful. They're not good. Uh, I, well, you already got to it. Yeah, he slurs his lines. You barely understand what he's saying. It's a lot of what we've already seen, but either basically exactly as it was we've already seen, or worse than that, in the sense that he just looks completely disinterested with everything happening. And one thing that you guys didn't mention that did actually bother me a lot, the some of the set pieces, I mean, I know these movies have always been a little outlandish, but yep. this movie's internal logic is like a step beyond all of that. Like, there are so many things happening in the movie where I'm like, that's just, I can't, my suspension of disbelief cannot buy that. The, this idea right. yeah. that like a bunch of horses can carry an entire building across the streets for like 20 minutes without getting tired. And like just things just happen with these set pieces that are like it's too unbelievable for me to because its own set of it doesn't follow its own set of rules is what I'm saying right and also there are a lot of people tied to ships 
in this movie. Yeah. Which made me lot, yeah. feel like I was tied to the theater chair. <laughs> yeah. And so I uh, related with them, but in a bad way, because I also just wanted to leave, guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so talking about the special effects, because that did make me think of like, okay, things that I actually like about this movie. I wanted to like the special effects, the CGI, because there are some moments that I was genuinely like into it. Like I was like, oh, this is an interesting set piece, or this is an interesting thing that they did with uh, the mast of the ship, for example, or the undead sharks that you kind of you see in the trailer. That's a whole. I have issues. I, I, yeah, as I don't well. think that stuff goes over very well. But I'm just saying that like. There are good ideas there that like we're like oh this is different this is interesting, but f- first of all this is the first pirates of the mo- pirates movie that was shot digitally, and it really shows. Uh, was the last one shot on film? It was shot on thirty five millimeter, and I th- the fourth one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh wait, no, you're, no, it, it was shot. Uh, there's there's something else to this one that's like it's the first to shot on IMAX. No, I don't remember exactly what it is. But yeah, the last okay. one was shot digitally too. But my point is that hmm. like you can just tell that like nothing really feels real. Everything kind of feels like in this wonderland of like CGI that like I think the pirates for the pirates movies to work, it can't look like you're inside of a computer. You know, I, I know that like we say that about some movies. Yeah. Like Jungle Book, I can get you can get away with it, especially because it looks so good. But in this movie, there's just too much real stuff mixing with the CGI stuff and. Even though, like, I, I think the first one has better effects, even though they look more dated because they don't rely on them as much. And, like, you feel like you're in these locations. In, in this movie, I, I felt like I, was, I could see the blue screen uh, every time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, the first movie, all the sets are practical. Like, I don't remember any CG sets. And the, well, yeah, the only things the, that were CG... When they're underwater, the skeletons. Oh, yeah, that's true. But those are only, like, small, like, yeah, yeah. two, three-minute segments in the film. But, like, the thing is, that like, everything about that first movie, even though it's all pretty much on water, it's so grounded, and you're so, like, inve- there's enough realism there that you feel like you're in this world, and you're kind of walking around with these people. But this one, it's, like, so CG, and like you said, there's, like, no real internal logic to anything. Like, physics just go out the door oh, any minute. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. like, and there's, like, there's, like, no, like, real principle or guiding, like, uh, like, like you said, like, these characters can just do anything they want just because the script's like, oh, well... You're a completely different character now, so you just go with these characters, or like, oh yeah, you're interested in this, so you go with them. That like, you're just not invested. You just like, it's not that you don't want to be invested. You just can't be invested because there's just nothing that's guiding you emotionally or like in your brain. You just like, I just am lost. Yeah, like, you just can't do it. The first, the first that I was forgetting about. This is the first Pirates movie to not, not, not a single shot of it was in the actual Caribbean. That's what I was thinking of. So, oh okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, not the first to be shot digitally. But yeah, to what yeah. you're saying, yeah, I, I, the internal logic stuff was what really took it out for me. Like what really took me out of the movie most, because, I mean, there's literally a scene where Jack Sparrow overhears one character talking to a character, and then that character leaves that character to go talk to Jack. The distance between characters hasn't changed, but he's like, I overheard your entire conversation. Now yeah. we're going to talk about it, and this person can't hear us because whatever. So there's just so much stuff like, and that sounds like a little thing, right? <laughs> but it's not. It's, it's not when it's like compounding. Uh, there are just so many moments like that where you're, you really, and yeah, I, another thing we haven't mentioned yet is the humor. Uh, the humor is so what forced humor? in this movie. It's... The humor worked in the trailer better than it does in the actual movie. Yeah, the jokes are just so bad in this movie. Like, it's bad not to like, 
Johnny Depp is not really committing to his performance, but like especially when he's like trying to tell a joke, they just, everything every time he tells a joke, it just falls flat because he just does not commit the delivery. He just well, like, also I think that they didn't do a lot of takes with him. You know, no, I, I know because yeah, he good. he was probably like I'm done. Well, there you know. Well, I, he, I know that he, he was in the middle of his divorce. I think that's what John was saying before that he yeah. was kind of. Yeah, and and the thing to add to that, and I honestly I looked into this because I was really like, what what was going on? It did really feel like it he did wasn't feel like he working wasn't on there. This. Yeah, but there are two things to this. A, yeah, that is, and I know we're doing like some inside baseball, separating the art from the artist and all that. But well, well, I know that's what I'm saying. Like out that like he wasn't showing up to set. Uh, he was always really late. They were having a lot of problems with him being on time, and like they had to like work to his schedule. So I think that you can sort of surmise that. That's a big. That's part of the issue with this movie is that they weren't doing a lot of takes and they didn't have a lot of opportunity to work with him on this. And we haven't even mentioned the directors, Joaquin Roning and Nisman Sandberg, aren't very experienced directors. I mean, they've done some foreign films, but they did a uh, Contiki, right? Contiki and Bandidas or something. Yeah. Films that I haven't seen. I, I don't really know. Yeah, how, I haven't seen. I, I don't really know what they're really like as directors, but I can kind of tell they weren't able to rein him in. So. Well, I know Contiki is like. I think it's all, it's kind of like a Life of Pi kind of story where it's like all in the ocean. So I think that's the reason why they got this job. But I haven't seen Contiki. I've heard good things, but I know that it is, it's a, it's not a small movie, but it's not a $300 million production. Yeah. It, this is another that. example of Roulette with Disney being like, let's get these like, you know, these specialist indie directors to do like this big flag thing because it works sometimes. But I think what they didn't take into account is that they're not working with a franchise that has a lot of qualifiers for success. You have to be able to have some, you have to have a director who can manage Johnny Depp. I mean, otherwise the movie, if you're going to have him in the movie, it, otherwise it doesn't uh, really work. And, yeah. But I don't even think Gorka Rubinsky could really rein him in at this point, to be honest. That's probably true. Um, let's talk about some of the other characters though. Of course, I, I think, well, first of all, the movie's writing is very bad. Uh, the dialogue is very bad. Uh, Jeff Nathanson it, wrote the screenplay, and it's yeah. so patchy. It's it definitely could have used a, f- a lot more work. Um, but there are performances in here that I think do work uh, adequately. I think Jeffrey Rush isn't capable of being bad at Barbosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Javier Bardem goes for it. I, I think that you, you talked about Bardem for a minute. Uh, you were talking about how you kind of liked what he brought to this. I, I had a yeah. hard time appreciate the, to me the only difference between him and every other undead you know sea captain who hates Jack Sparrow is the fact that he wasn't a pirate he was just a okay. Spanish captain so I didn't really get a lot out of that whole thing so like this is kind of sure. just combining what we've already seen before and I, but I, I don't that's know. more of a script thing I think that's I true. don't think his character was written well I thought that he did a good job with a poorly written character that's that's definitely that's, fair yeah. Uh, and even Scudelario, I, I think that the writing was the issue with her. I think that she's a great actress. It's that I just don't think that they who, gave her much to do with this? her that was decent. The uh, girl? You Trina. mean, oh. Yeah. Uh. I, I think that like that some of the dialogue they give her, I don't know how you could expect her to turn that into you know decent work. Yeah. And I guess I mean, the same goes for Brendan Thwaites, who plays Will, for uh, Henry Turner. Just you know, He's been in... Uh, I don't think movies. he's good. Uh, yeah, he was in what Gods of Egypt. And they weren't good Giver. together. He was in the Gift or what's the it, what's that movie? The Giver, yeah. I don't I don't know, guys. Like I I I know they didn't run chemistry tests, right? Because <laughs> uh, absolutely, they there wasn't any. 
There's a part. Oh, nope. Not even gonna. Because that's yeah. a spoiler. <laughs> Let's not even go there. I can't. Um. So we, we've we've kind of rightfully trashed this movie quite a bit. But as we get into our final thoughts, and uh, I think we've covered it, uh, I guess to speak to you, at least like one thing you liked about the movie, if you can. Uh, I know, Will, you've done a lot of that. I'm mainly saying this to Kayla. I, you don't have to because I feel like you just... I well, I do... Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead, Kayla. I was say I liked when it was over. There you go. Yeah. And I got to go home. Okay. I was going to say, I really liked the guillotine scene. Because that was like the one scene that like felt like the actual first movie. Because it was like a pretty much a practical stunt. And I actually thought the timing of it was pretty good. So, I mean, I, I would say that. And actually, I kind of liked the uh, bank scene. I, I uh, Excusing the implausibility of it, I think... The fact that it was practical and it was like mostly a real set kind of brought back that old charm that until like that scene where they like, crash it into like the thing, it's like all CG and he's like yeah. doing like the Matrix jump. Yeah, I, I think that it would have been great if it had been Johnny Depp really bringing something to it. I, and also, I thought it went on a little bit too long. And when they, yeah, that's true, I agree with that. And there were just too many, like, it wasn't just the fact that it made no sense, but also like the aftermath where I was like, how would they be? How did this happen? Like they were just, it raised too many questions for it me. Was, and I, and, right. and John, Johnny Depp, or sorry, Captain Jack Sparrow wasn't being like his normal clever self. He's like yeah. just stumbling around. Yeah. The, they were, well, falling. I thought the beginning of ended it was up, really bad. Yeah. He just kind of like ended up where he was and it was like, it's the ugh. same thing as the first, yeah, he's like, oh, he's at the bottom Here of his we rope. Go. I really wish that the, a different take on Jack Sparrow would be don't go back to this whole like he's he does he he's just terrible at being a pirate again he doesn't his crew has abandoned him all this stuff do something else with him I I would love to see somebody suggested to me that su- suggested this to me actually uh, they said that it would be more interesting to have him give up piracy and actually become like a clergy like it was alluded to in the first movie and they sort of had to they sort of had to like convince him to be a pirate again like i don't know stuff like that I, that's probably not the best idea but you know what i'm saying like do something else yeah. do something different do yeah. something with like, this character that like has a, a story arc for him he, he has no gives arc up in rum. this movie he's no arc in the last movie he doesn't either. change in this movie there's a little bit of an arc in that movie though because of penelope cruz's character and right they try because he's to, like yeah. man she's a really sexy pirate yeah. oh <laughs> man now i'm saying, conflicted oh well, same what if they found a way to like make him give up rum or just not be an alcoholic i feel like that would be a big way to because like his character in this is like his main thing was just that he was drunk yeah well so if they found a way to like make him like less drunk even or like he was trying to give it up or something i feel like that might have been at least something but i absolutely agree um but you know it kind of doesn't matter what we're saying because the movie is performing super well at the box office it's already made really 200 it's already made back over its budget um, well, actually, so its budget is probably close to like three hundred and fifty million. They're saying it's two fifty, but the movie's already made two hundred and seventy million worldwide. It's doing decently in the domestic box office, about sixty million, I think, so far. It'll probably get up to one hundred and fifty to two hundred worldwide. It's already made like two hundred, so it's it's kind of astounding, actually. Uh, it's probably going to do really well. Uh, if it gets up to a billion, I strongly believe that we will see another movie coming soon. Um, there's so, even a post-credit sequence teasing the next one. We won't is, spoil it here. Oh, I, I, to yeah, be honest, I don't yeah. even remember it. Well, because we left. 
Oh, we left. Theater. Yeah, I heard about the post-credit sequence after the fact. That's right. Will actually didn't. described it to me. Oh, that's right. Oh no. Oh no. So let's finish up with our grades. Uh, Will Ashton, what do you give Deadman Tell No Tales? Uh, I mean, when I walked out of the movie, I think I gave it like a C, but now I'm kind of like a C minus, mm. getting close to a D plus. I I don't know. I just. I'm so exhausted by these movies at this point, and just talking about it again, just acknowledging all the things I did wrong, it just makes me even more upset. So I'm just not having fun. Sorry we sapped your enthusiasm. Yeah, no, I mean, there was barely any enthusiasm there, and it just made me, made me come to my senses more. That's actually, I was at a, about a C, C minus when I was walking out of the theater, just because I was trying to justify certain parts of it and yeah. say, like, well, there, there, I guess some of it was fine. But yeah, I, I, after I sat down and I really looked at this movie and it's like, man, the, there's so much of it. I just didn't have a good time watching it. And that's like the main thing you want out of a Pirates movie is a good time. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I gave the movie a D plus. That's where I ended up. What about you, Kayla? Here's the thing. Yeah, I can't, I wanted to give it a pass for certain things, but you we can't give these movies passes mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. It's time to stand up <laughs> to the man. All right. So I'm giving it an F plus. Okay. Oh, well, I think that's <laughs> because the first F. That is just history. the... No, no, no. Uh, Maverick gave F to uh, the circle, right? Did he? Yeah. Well, I, guess. I think he gave it... Yeah, Maverick. Like a minus. I don't remember. You critics, you were like, well, it did this right. And I'm just like, you know what, guys? <laughs> It did a lot more wrong. Yeah. And it damaged me, like, personally. Because well, I like this movie franchise. And now like my I don't. Pan. Oh, Pan. Sorry, I brought that up, actually. Should we start singing, um, what's the song they use from Nirvana? Let's Greek Bob. Smells Like or, Teen Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Smells Like Teen Spirit. <laughs> That's when I was done with that movie. Yeah, that's yeah, about right. <laughs> I was like, are they singing? Well, that's Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales. It is now in theaters. We do not recommend it. Uh, however, you know, some there are some hardcore fans who are like, oh, it's fine. You know, I had a good time. It, there, there are fans out there who are liking this movie just on the merits of the fact that it's a Pirates movie and not much else. And that might be you, uh, but I would suggest it probably isn't. So, If that's you, I'm going to make a suggestion Instead of watching that, don't watch it. And instead, watch the first one. Again. That's what I wanted to do. Or, yeah. yeah, just watch it again. Um, have some friends over. Make a little popped corn. You know, build relationships. <laughs> All right. Well, let's... Is, is it on Netflix? I think so. Uh, you see. It used to be. Is it still there? Yeah? No? I don't know. All right, well, let's get into our mini-reviews. Kayla stepped out because she hasn't seen any of these, and uh, she really just wanted to talk about pirates. Uh, but we have a few mini-reviews to get to, just me and Will, just like the old days. Yeah, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. But we'll probably die. Oh. Uh, the, the first one, uh, we were talking about Baywatch, a movie that I really wanted to see Oh yeah, uh, this weekend. I, I didn't get a chance to see it because I just got caught up. It's Memorial Day weekend, so I got kind of busy. But, Will, you went out and you saw Baywatch. Uh, this is, the, of course, the latest, uh, the latest of the Twenty One Jump Street, you know, attempts, right? So, like, we're uh, trying to yeah, capture I mean, the success of that movie. Yeah, it's like the next chips. It's yeah. the next, like, yeah. let's. Well, if they can do it, we can do it too. Basically, it's that's. Although the difference between this and Chips is that that movie didn't have a lot of. I mean, Michael Cena and Dax Shepard aren't bad actors, but 
Michael Cena? Yeah. Uh, Michael Pena, sorry. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, at least with this one, you mean you have The Rock, you have Zac Efron. These are two proven, you know, big-budget comedy actors who've, you know, been in some pretty good comedies that, you know, summer comedies at that. You also have Alexander Daddario, but who has a huge fan base. And uh, in the last movie she was uh, in with The Rock, uh, San Andreas was yeah. not a great movie, but, I mean, it definitely was pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Baywatch opening to not very good numbers. Part of that, I believe, this is rated R, isn't it? Yep. Is yeah. most definitely are. I haven't heard anything good about Baywatch. Uh, Will Ashton, please contribute to the consensus because I don't think you liked it either. Based on your Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to build up to it, but yeah, so Sorry. I. <laughs> yeah, no, I it's cool. Uh, no, it's cool. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I was the opposite of John. I was not looking forward to this movie. I thought the trailers were awful. I just am kind of sick of when. Hollywood just tries like to recreate someone else's success just because they want to make a money off, want to make some money off of it, and I just did not see this ending up well. Also, it's Seth Gordon who I love, The King of Kong. I think that's a great documentary, but all of his Nervin movies, even Horrible Bosses, have just not impressed me at all. And his last movie, Identity Thief, was I think one of the worst comedies I've seen in a long time. Like, Which that is mov- tough. So two things on that. First, okay. I liked the first Horrible Bosses movie. You're I not the second one. When- I thought the second one was a decent rental. It's not a terrible movie. Uh, I didn't see the second one, and he didn't make the second one, so I don't know. Okay, so I just assumed. um, Who else would direct Horrible Bosses, too? But, okay, fine. Then Horrible Bosses, and uh, what was the other one you just said? Well, he did Identity Thief. He also did uh, Four Christmases, I think. Which is, okay, I hate Four Christmases, just like everyone else. But okay. Identity Thief, terrible movie, not a bad screenplay. Craig Mazin oh, did really? the screenplay. And yeah, the idea was good. It's just, the, yeah, I think he kind of uh, ruined that movie. No, I, I, was, I thought that whole movie was just awful. And then they have a twist that is like one of the like most insulting like FU twists I've ever heard in yeah. my life, which is, yeah, I, I hate that movie so much. Uh, but yeah, sorry, what were you saying? Uh, just back to Baywatch. I just wanted to oh, point yeah. out that I, that's oh, part of the reason why I was looking forward to this because like yeah. maybe this will be like another horrible bosses. So and I like the fact that it was rated R. So I was like, mm-hmm. okay, they are they at least have license to do something kind of you know edgy with the Baywatch mythology, but yeah, clearly not. I will say that I'll give it to The Rock. He really like as always. He puts his heart into us. I think he does a fine job, and I also think the beach looks very pretty. And that's literally all. Every good thing I have to say about this movie, because this movie wow. was terrible. Like honestly, like just the same as Identity Thief. There was not a single moment in this movie where I laughed or even chuckled. Like this was a wholly laughless experience. Like there's nothing in this movie that is redeemable. Nothing in this movie that is even amusing. Like it's just a pure shit show from beginning to end. And, like, I mean, like, I get what they're trying to do. Like, they want to acknowledge that Baywatch is this kind of, like, kinky, like, not, like, it's it's already kind of a goofy show to begin with. And by, like, amping it up, there is potential to kind of make some good comedic use out of that. But it's also, like, it's in this weird in-between position where it's trying to respect the series for the fans like in the sense that like hey you know it, it, it was a stupid show but it was it had its moments but it also be like yeah but it was so like cheesy and stuff but it's just, like they, they just can't find that balance the same way that 21 jump street could but that was mostly because i think 21 jump street like obviously there were fans of that show but i don't think most people really like think about 21 jump street or even really knew what it was when that movie came out yeah, so they had more 
freedom to come at, with a different angle. Whereas this it was movie, actually like, kind of novel to make fun of Twenty One Jump Street. Whereas right. Baywatch has been getting made fun of. I mean, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie makes fun yeah. of Baywatch. Exactly, and the show ended like two thousand one, so it's not like it's like that old of a show. Mm-hmm. It, it was going on; it was still going on in this millennium. So, I mean, it's just like I don't know. There's you like make, you make that sound kind of like I know, I, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I yeah. It's still it was still going on in like the past fifteen or seventeen years. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just like. I don't know, like, Zac Efron, I think he means well, but, like, he just doesn't really do anything other than, like, be, like, a Ryan Locke. What's it? Was that guy Ryan Locke, the Olympian swimmer? Ryan Lochte? Yeah, he's, like, basically doing a parody of him. But there's, like, nothing really to his character other than that. And then Alexander D'Addario is game, but she just, all she is really, as far as the producers are concerned, just a pretty face. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, uh, what's her name? Um, her character's name CJ. She was, like, a Sports Illustrated bottle, but I can't think of her name right now, and I feel bad because she's like the one person besides The Rock who like has like some charisma in this, but like she's just kind of there to be the love interest for like the kind of flabby guy who I think his name is John Bass, who is just there to be like the fat one in the group essentially. And it's I'm just sorry, it's just yeah, that sounds terrible. I'm just saying that like these characters, they're just basically stock characters. Like they're just yeah. there's nothing really to them. They're just there to, like, everything about this just feels so formulaic and so, like, studio-mandated that, like, it just, there's nothing organic about it. And that, if you don't have an organic background or, like, an organic form to do your thing, then you just can't make good comedy. That's just impossible. So, I just, I don't know, I hate this movie. I wish it a slow, painful death, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What was your final grade for it? Uh, D. All right. I, I know what that D stands for. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. <laughs> so my my mini review, uh, or one of them, is "Get Me Roger Stone." This is a new Netflix documentary that I was really excited to see. So, some of you who follow me on Twitter know that I, I tend to, you know, I, I have I'm, I'm very passionate about politics. I'm very passionate about, uh, yeah, not just like the big ho, you know, rah rah, like you know, politicizing things, and but I really, I am really fascinated. I've I've always have been of how campaigns are funded, how, uh, how things like Fox News, how that stuff works, how, the, how journalism works, how, cables, how cable news works, and how you know, the origin of like super PACs. And just a lot of that stuff that a lot of people are just like, I don't want to worry about it because it kind of you know, probably frustrates you depending on who you are politically. Get Me Roger Stone is a documentary that definitely explores the dark side of the conservative political... Uh, the conservative politics of today, um, because it, for those of you who know anything about like, kind of like t- the trajectory of like post Nixon Republicans, you know who Roger Stone is. Uh, yeah. He is a professional provocateur. His nickname is the Dirty Trickster. Uh, he's somebody who's like unabashed about like just the terrible things that he like truly despicable evil things that he has done to make the country worse off. Uh, and not to lead into that next part of this, but this this documentary by Dylan Bank and Daniel DeMaro, uh, it actually explores the reason – basically, it provides the case for why he's succeeded, why he's found success. It shows you the, something that some people don't even know at this point, which is he's the reason that Donald Trump is president. Uh, he's been trying to get Donald Trump to run for president since the 80s. Uh, he was behind the populist – 
alt-right sort of like how all that stuff sort of came together during the Trump campaign. Then this documentary also explores not just Roger Stone's origins, but the what is infamous in the political world as when he was ousted as advisor, but then still found a way to manipulate the campaign from behind the scenes. It's fascinating stuff. Uh, yeah. This is one of the best documentaries I've seen all year. Uh, not to say I haven't seen, I'm just, I'm talking about in 2016 as well. Cause I haven't seen a lot of 2017 documentaries yeah. either, but it is because it, this, I love political documentaries. Mm-hmm. I really love a political documentary. That's from the perspective of someone who's the opposite of like what they're, uh, you know, looking at it's a difference between like Hillary's America or whatever that documentary was. Oh, that was clearly trying to like you know it, worst movie of last year. Absolutely terrible <laughs> documentary from what I've I hate heard. that movie so much. Uh, this one is actually really well done because what they do is th- there is no like there's no perspective, no liberal perspective. They are literally just showing you the reactions to things being said and done, and it's really really good it, it just if you aren't politically active if you're someone who's sort of who is sort of intimidated by this stuff because you maybe if you're somebody who's like both sides are the same right oh both mm-hmm. sides have flaws uh, i'm not i'm not either but and if you want it, the case for why that's nonsense and see the clear difference this this is the documentary for you because it is very illuminating for like why the country is the way it is today, why mm-hmm. certain things have happened in the last year that are just sort of like chaotic and make no sense. This is the documentary for you. It is an, a must watch. It's on Netflix, and uh, I highly oh, recommend yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I uh, gave the film. I give it an A minus. Nice. I was not aware of this movie, but it's definitely on my radar now. I mean, I grew. I mean, I, I never said this on the podcast before. I went to journalism school, so I'm all about journalism documentaries and stuff so i'll definitely check this one out thanks for the recommendation absolutely and, and i'll say this i mean it's not going to be like hardcore like how journalism works and yeah, no, yeah, it's, it, there's, there's not all the president stuff here yeah but it does get into like there is some fox news stuff here and uh, i think you'll you especially will be really into it but nice yeah all right our next one is a uh, casual season three i've seen a few episodes of the first season of casual but will I, i'm guessing you're a bigger fan of this than i suspected yeah i mean oh, you I, I thought you watched uh, season two no, I watched uh, the first season and not even the entire. The entire okay, first how season. far did you get into it? Just so I know, uh, about five or six episodes. I really okay. liked it. I just kind of forgot. about Yeah, it. it's weird. It's kind of like, like the detour. You kind of um, you ended off just like when it was starting to get really good, because uh, like the second half of season one and season two are really good. Okay, and if you guys don't know, this is the new or not the new show, uh, Hulu. Show. It's one of Hulu's first original programs. Like obviously now they have The Handmaid's Tale and. Um, they had eleven twenty two sixty three last year, and yeah, they had. Yeah. Uh, they this had was the coming path. out alongside uh, difficult people, which I love that show. I've been meaning to watch it. I've heard many good things, but yeah, Casual was like one of the first uh, forays into dramatic television. And the thing about it is, it's not like House of Cards, where it's like very dramatic and very plot driven. It's a super like laid back kind of laissez faire look at modern day relationships, as told through this kind of dysfunctional family. Uh, one is the, the main character is, or one of the main characters, I should say, is like this former web designer who's kind of living off of his, uh, money he made off of that. It, it, this website's called Snooger. It's kind of like a mix of OkCupid and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, but he's like in this really weird emotional rut that is, uh, very toxic for his own mental health. And, and he's like, he, what, in his late thirties? I think, yeah, he's in his forties, I think, or something like that. Uh, then he has a sister who's a therapist who uh, 
is also with her own problems and she has she's a single mother to a 16 year old daughter who has a very kind of a promiscuous look at uh sex and just modern relationships in general and together they just kind of are trying to tumble their way through life now i bet that sounds like any movie that comes out of sundance <laughs> but out like just the way they approach it like the first two seasons were at least partially directed by jason reitman and you could feel his sensibilities throughout most of those. He isn't in the new season. Season three is, as far as I can tell, it's all directed by women. Including two episodes by Carrie Brownstein from Portlandia. And um, the last one was directed by Lake Bell. Because I saw the first four episodes. Oh, I had no and, idea Lake Bell was had a hand in this show. Yeah, I didn't know until I finished the episode. But yeah, I mean, like I said, season two was so good because it kind of found a way to make the messiness of the first season come together in a way that made the characters still kind of in a state of disarray, but the show itself was very laser-focused and knew exactly what it was trying to do, and I don't know if it's going to be as good as season three, just because of uh, season two, because I just started this new season, but based on what I've seen, it's going to be pretty much on par with it, because, I mean, the acting, again, across the board is super good. The writing is, like, so in tune with, like, what the way our culture talks and the way it like, sometimes it can get a little tweet, but, like, the more you get to know the characters and the more that the writers kind of develop these characters, they, they feel more organic and a little more um, sincere in the way they kind of have all these, like, technic- tech lingo. And, I mean, the show, it's, it might not be for everyone because it gets a little more dark and a little more depressing as it goes along. But I, there's still, like, this kind of snappiness to it that, like, I can just put this on, like, a show on at any point and you just kind of get into it even though there's, like, not too too much going on just because there's just this energy about it that's very infectious and very kind of homely that i love and i think if you're just looking for like a good like show to have on the kind of like in the background first but then kind of uh you know just want something that kind of keeps your interest but not like demands your attention i think this is a good show to watch i have been liking the show a lot and i think if you have a hulu account and you're all the way caught up on hate's handmaid's tale check this one out i think it's worth your time you're making this really tough for me because there are so many shows on Hulu that I want to watch. Yeah, no, yeah. A lot of what you're saying about Casual Season 3 is how I feel about Difficult People, which mm-hmm. I want to recommend to you. I'm not 100% sure you're going to like Difficult People as much as I do because it's very different from Casual. It's more of like a straight-up comedy. Okay. And the, I don't know if you would be into the humor, but I think the humor is amazing. Yeah, Casual, I'll give it a show. I, I really, you're making me really want to get into this again, but it's tough. I, 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 still, I still need to finish Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. Only five episodes into that. I need to finish the detour and watch season two, and I need to watch casual, and and I need to finish difficult people because I haven't watched the new season. You're killing me. Yeah, and that's like taking into account all the stuff that's on Netflix right now. Absolutely, I, I think Hulu's doing a great job, and, and honestly, it's my own fault. Lately, I've been re-binging Community, so it's kind of my own fault for not catching up on the new stuff. But I can't help it because I've been kind of re-exploring Community in a more yeah. analytical way than ever. Uh, this is like my seventh or eighth time rewatching the series, yep. and you gotta do I'm like a, so much that I missed the first seven times. You gotta do like a piece about it. Uh, I am actually thinking about doing a video about one of the episodes, one of my favorite episodes, which is uh, it's the one where Abed uh, delivers a pregnancy in the background of the episode. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the art of uh, the psychology of letting go. I think is in yeah. the episodes, the episode and. Uh, there's something about that episode that really hits me hard, but anyway. The Supercut is on YouTube, I think. Like, if you just want to watch Abed's scenes in that episode, it's all on YouTube. Like, <laughs> I'd recommend, I, I recommend watching the episode first if you haven't seen it, yeah, listeners. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, like, if you were watching it, like, I didn't see Abed, 
Just go on YouTube and find that clip. It's so funny. Uh, other than that, uh, we just have one more mini review, and that is about Hassan Minaj's new comedy special on Netflix, Homecoming King. Uh, I watched this one right after seeing Get Me Roger Stone because I was kind of still in that mood, and I was like, okay, catching up on Netflix stuff. And it was a great palate cleanser after Get Me Roger Stone, which really, really made me furious about the world. Yeah, but, uh, for sure. Hassan Minaj's comedy special was actually really surprised me. So for those of you who don't know, he... He is a Daily Show correspondent. Uh, he's hilarious. A really funny guy. He mm-hmm. did the uh, White House Correspondents Dinner this past year. And uh, he's not somebody that I've ever paid attention to uh, in regards to stand-up. This is the first stand-up I've ever seen from him. Mm-hmm. And it, it was really solid. Uh, it was. It, it's weird. It didn't make me laugh at all. There was not one thing that I was like, this is humorous. There was not one time where I laughed out loud. But kind of in the same way that Master of None kind of like affected me in a humorous way like it used comedy to affect me so is this special so he he talks a lot about uh basically what it was like growing up as an indian american muslim uh which again just like aziz and sorry actually Mm -hmm. but he talks a lot about racism of course um he talks about like bullying uh, stories of his life that he went through um the expectations of his immigrant parents there's a lot to this special that's like very like you know acute. That said, I'd like it a lot more if it was just a little bit funnier. I I just didn't really laugh much, but I did enjoy watching. It. I didn't want to stop. I, it was really one of those comedy specials where I was really just into it because I liked the guy telling the stories and I wanted to know more about him. And uh, it's an interesting look if you are interested in like the perspective that kind of perspective. Uh, and maybe you'll find it more humorous than I did. There there are some bits that are frankly kind of hilarious. I just don't have a soul apparently. But there's this there's this uh <laughs> there's this one story he tells where he finds out that uh his parents went on or his parents went on a trip and then he was just living with his father for a time in America and then he his mother comes to visit and he finds out that he has a sister mm-hmm. that like was like conceived while they were overseas and he had no idea. And like it, it, it's just the way that he delivers that realization of like I have a sister, and they <laughs> never told him. Right. And it's just one of those things where I'm like, what in the world? Uh, yeah. Anyway, I recommend it if you're if you're in a comedy specials that are a little bit more poignant. And uh, th- this guy, I, I really want to see more from him. Uh, sure. Basically, I, I think that he's really he has a really impressive like style. Uh, it's it's different. It mm-hmm. it's not for me in terms of comedy but i could absolutely see this guy in a really good drama or like a oh, okay yeah okay yeah no i was, I was confused at first yeah because i was like oh, okay I i'm really... confused too i yeah. <laughs> is a very strange uh piece of work but uh yeah i, I recommend it I, I give it a straight up b all right yeah great comedy special that you should be in a drama all right, so that'll do it for mini reviews. Uh, just one terrible thing. Um, and I guess that was Baywatch. I, I I'm really, I really well, still want to see it just because I'm so curious. But if you watch it, to. if you watch Baywatch, don't pay money. <laughs> well, uh, might be tough. Um, right. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna pirate it. Yeah. I, I, I'm oh wait, no, wait, that's the wrong movie. Oh uh, yeah, otherwise. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Cinemaholics. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you uh, coming in and hanging out with us. Don't forget that you can email us your feedback on every episode, cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, don't forget to leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. 
and just let us know what you think of the show. Helps get us into the feeds of other people when you do so. And we just want to hear from you. So there you go. Uh, Will Ashen, I know people can find you all over the place, but I know your ma- people can absolutely find you and your movie reviews on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Twitter at the Will of Ash, or you can just friend me on Facebook if you can find me. Your Facebook is one of my favorite things about you as a person. So oh, thank you. Definitely, yeah, it's, it's definitely a great Facebook account. Um, and, of course, you can always find me on Twitter as well, at, Gen- at John Agroni. Uh, Kayla Savage is on Twitter, at uh, Kayla the Savage. And, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Hopefully, Soundmaster Maverick Hines will be here. And uh, we're really excited to talk about Wonder Woman. Yeah. I think that's going to be a good episode. Um, I-, I forget what else is coming out that week. Because Wonder Woman is uh, Captain Underpants, dude. That's right, which you've already seen. So yeah. we're going to talk. We're, we're going to have a great conversation about that movie as well. But, yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you again later from the Internet California. I am John Agro. From the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Will. We'll see you next time.